This is 100 Days a Year Podcast. Our podcast because, well, you need another podcast. I'm Becky Fouché, here with my best friend ever, Jeremy Ravondo, and today we're recording episode number nine, titled Overnight Oats. This podcast is just a collection of conversations Jeremy and I have been having for the past five and a half years, and we wanted to document the things that we talk about on a regular basis. So from the both of us, thanks for joining us, and um, let's get into episode nine. Principles of Relationship Interpretation, number nine. Your sensitivity does not mean you are broken. Are you done? I mean, are you simply done feeling bad about who you are all the time? The fact that you are sensitive has you constantly being labeled by others as the weak one, the crazy one, the delicate one, the fragile one, the one people have to look out for, the one to be careful of, the one no one could possibly understand or make happy. Many of us who share our similar temperament have felt excused and apologized for, and for way too long. Guess what? You are most likely none of these things. You simply want and expect more from the people with whom you are closest, and you are disappointed when they do not share or desire a deeper level of connection or intimacy with you. Even though the focus in progressive society is to encourage others to work toward accepting others, and rightly so, for all of their inherent differences, this diversity melting pot continuously omits sensitive and gentle persons because it regards us as deficient, and that deficiency is a choice. We must be unable to toughen up, unwilling to count someone's true intentions toward us as greater than their actions, and this really, really bothers people, especially our families and our closest friends. We are criticized for holding them accountable for working too little at building bridges of understanding to us as we do for them constantly. They simply do not have the patience to get to know us or are just unwilling to do so. Our sensitivity or our feelings are an impairment to be remedied. That's how they're regarded. And they're not a disposition to be understood. We feel broken, wishing to be strong like fill in the blank. And we are all too ready to adopt the strategies of strong people because we are tired as being regarded as weak and unconfident. However, those attempts are often so fruitless and we consequently feel even less comfortable to be who we are. And we feel failure at adopting the techniques of so-called more successful people. We become highly controllable and manipulated. And when we realize this, we become resentful. But that is if we are lucky enough to view ourselves as okay. And if not, we just feel broken and alone. Ready for this? You are not broken. You're not broken. You are sensitive. And that's beautiful. So we feel guilty pretty much all the time. Do you think guilty or do you think we just feel bad all the time? Both. So maybe we should break that into parts. So when you say guilty, what do you mean? I think we feel guilty for making our friends and family, quote unquote, cater to mm. our emotional needs. I think we feel like we should just be able to play it cool. We should be easygoing. We should be relaxed. We should be, again, quote unquote, chill. <laughs> oh, yeah, chill. We love that word. We should be able to calm down when people ask us to. Right. And, and we feel bad and we feel guilty that we can't do those things. Right. 
Yeah. So I think we, right. We do. We feel, we feel, I mean, when I, I was saying bad because I think I feel bad because I can't do those things, but you're right. It does lead to guilt. It does lead to guilt because we inconvenience or we feel as if we inconvenience the, mm-hmm. the people around us by our emotional needs. We right. feel like we're asking too much. And because we're the empathizers, because we are really, the, we're the intuitive ones. We're like trying to figure out how are they feeling? What can I do? Can I make it better? And I think it's maybe because of that, that we're first to try to read and sometimes inaccurately the, the, the feelings of others, um, in our family, in our close friend circle. And, and then of course adjust. Mm -hmm. And I think all that adjusting eventually leads to resentment, um, because we feel that, that we're kind of somehow regarded as weak and unable to, like you said, be chill, be accommodating. Right. And then at the same time, if we're the weak ones, emphasis on the word weak why are we the ones doing all the work why are we the ones doing all the adjusting why are we do why are we the ones putting in all this effort to make the relationship work if we're the weak ones for the incapable if we're the emotionally impaired ones why are we the ones putting in all the work to make any relationship possible at all and i wonder i mean in, in answering your question i wonder if it's because we maybe accurately or inaccurately believe that our close friends and family are unwilling or sometimes unable to rise to the occasion. You know, I think sometimes we think, well, if we don't create the space for the kind of intimate conversation that we need to feel that we, you know, that feel that we feel is the only place that we can resolve certain issues. If we, if we, if we feel that like they are unable or unwilling to do that and we have to do it. I think that's when, that's when we sense, um, that we are the ones being the accommodating ones, mm-hmm. you know, and clearly whether right or wrong, I think sometimes, uh, we really feel like, you know, why am I, why do I have to do this? And why do I have to be this way all the time? Why am I the one doing it? Right. And I think that leads to resentment and frustration. However, at the same time, you and I often say that we have a duty to tell people what we need from them Yeah. and that nobody is a mind reader. Nope. And as intuitive as a person may be, they will never know what you need unless you tell them it's true so at the same time i mean yes we feel resentful when we have to put in extra workloads of effort just to make Mm -hmm. make make ourselves validated um in the relationship at the same time we do have a duty to tell the other person what we need from them right and what would the solution be if we didn't and that's once again this is not making ourselves sound so great but like if we weren't willing to say hey let's have this conversation is it going to get any better? Well, maybe not. Yeah. Probably not. Um, or, or would it have the potential, the relationship have the potential of becoming worse before it got better? Probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, who cares? Well, here's the thing. But, you, you can't punish someone for not communicating effectively the way that you need when you're unwilling to communicate with them the way that you need. True. So it goes both ways. Yeah. And if you're not going to, like you said, if you're not willing to tell them what you need from them, then, then you can't expect them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can't expect them to read your mind and then... And then punish them for that. Right? <laughs> right. But we do that. Right. Um, and we wish we wouldn't have to. That's definitely a flaw that, that you and I share. Yeah. I guess when I was, when we were talking about the opening, the opening written intro, I was thinking of, uh, you know, a friend of mine. And she and I were talking. And and I just, I happened to ask her, and this was a while ago, I'm like, do, you know, are there people, because she's like us, you know, and you know who I'm talking about. Again, apologize for speaking so vaguely, but, you know, I'm just protecting the innocent. Ha ha. <laughs> but um, 
I, you know, I was talking with her and I was like, do you have anybody in your life who is constantly telling you, you need to toughen up? You need to stop feeling so much and stop concentrating on how you feel so much. Mm-hmm. It's getting in the way. It's getting in the way of you being successful. It's getting in the way of you managing people or blah, 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 fill in the blank. And, you know, of course, she's like, yes. And then she proceeded to list off the people in her life that were that way. And knowing her reasonably well, you know, I, I know the people she was listing off. And I'm like, well, this makes complete sense because those people are really... You know, they're not feelers. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're doers. Which and you and I are t- totally drawn to people like that. They're yes. usually people we regard as some of the smartest and most capable people in our lives. And I think we part of us wants to be like those people. You know, that mm-hmm. that quote unquote doesn't let emotions get in the way. But I was telling her, I said, look, people like that often don't have space for empathy. Mm-hmm. Unless they're extremely emotionally intelligent and go, hey, look, these are my deficiencies of my temperament. I want and strive always to get things done. I don't have time for people's feelings because regarding everyone's feelings all the time means I can't work as quickly and as efficiently as I'd like. You know, I've heard folks like this, uh, you know, in my life talk to me. And, and, uh, but the problem is, that those folks, and like I said, unless they're, you know, really highly emotionally intelligent, they don't create space for empathy. And then the people on their teams or the people in their families or the people in their friend groups feel disregarded Mm -hmm. because it's not just the strong people and everybody else who can't get on board, which I feel is often the way people with such temperaments look at people like you and me. Mm -hmm. It's, Hey, there's a fair amount of people like us who just don't feel like they can actively vocalize their needs because they've convinced themselves that their needs are some form of an impairment <laughs> that they need to remedy and and get better. Yep. Yeah, I I think it's very difficult for people to accept that they can have the relationship that they want. And for sensitive people, that relationship is one where you can say hey, these are my thoughts and feelings and this is the way that I need you to handle them because that's what I, I need from you in order for this to be successful. I think I think that's something everybody says that they want or thinks that mm-hmm. they want. Um, but finding people who are actually willing to cooperate with that type of construct is extremely rare. It is. And like you were saying about the doers, so many more people are interested in um, doing, you know, work, working and, and doing and accomplishing that they may not feel that they have the time or energy to devote to somebody's emotional needs, right? And you and I both know people like this, and we yeah. we regard them, like yeah. you said, as some of the smartest people that we know. Um, I, I just think it's extremely rare to find a person who has uh, both of those qualities at the same time. Yeah, or at least an awareness of one if they truly are grounded in the other, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, how about before we get too far along, could we like talk about the first part of what I I read today in the written intro, um, you know, about being labeled as weak and crazy and delicate and fragile, <laughs> the one people have to look out for, the one people have to be careful around. Uh, and then, of a a course, this all culminates in the no one can ever make you happy part because you're just going to be constantly disappointed. So... 
I, I, we, you know, we ended that paragraph with like, look, this is probably not at all what's going on. It's just that you desire a deeper level of intimacy. You desire a deeper level of connection and you associate that intimacy and that connection with uh, people who are going to regard your emotional state and emotional needs as, hey, I'm not this way, but you are that way. We are equal. Um, we both have to work together. Um, you know, you're, mm -hmm. you're not deficient. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think a person's sensitivity is indicative of, of their desire for something more. So I think you're you're absolutely right. I mean, you and I both know what it's like to be the sensitive one in the friend group, mm -hmm. or the sensitive kid in the family, mm -hmm. <laughs> or um, you know, we were always the ones and still are who were, you know, who are impressionable and yeah. and crying over, over the slightest you know, amount of tension in a person's voice. It's true. But, but I think, I think that sensitivity, like I said, is, is indicative of, um, of a desire for something more. I think, um, you know, the more impressionable a person is, the more they desire some kind of, they just, we just want more out of life. Do you think, do you think in being impressionable too kind of allows, you know, what that may indicate is that your, you know, that person's willingness to kind of adopt or consider the point of view of the person who's regarding them that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I, oh, I, yeah. I feel like, you know, yeah. because we're on the receiving end of some of these criticisms, we, we internalize them. But part of the reason we're willing to even internalize someone's impressions of us in the first place is because we're willing to consider, you know, varying yes. and, and different points of view. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think this is not my way of saying that we are so smart, even though that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm saying is that um, people who are highly impressionable, especially as children, um, are are often very intelligent and very bright. And I think that's exactly what you said. The reason being that that impressionability is mixed with intuition, mm -hmm. right? We have an awareness of what someone else expects of us. Mm -hmm. And that's why we're so impressionable. And that's why yeah. we're so sensitive is because we know that there's this kind of like expected um, selection of traits that that other person wants from us. Right. And so when we, we feel extra sensitive to that because we want to make them happy, we right. want to make them pleased. Right, you know? it kind of goes into the people-pleasing thing yeah. we talked about, and, you know, and accommodating and all the things we like to do to make people feel comfortable with themselves, right? Right. Um, and this was especially prevalent in our childhoods. Yeah. And then into our, you know, relationships we've been in and out of and friendships that we've had, right? I mean, this is mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. always a theme in our lives. Right. And, you know, in our families, I think... You know, as we're going growing up with our siblings and, and, and our parents and everyone's trying to figure out, you know, who are who are our kids and what are they and what are they going to become? I think it gets really easy to, you know, feel second to the most dominant uh, of the siblings mm -hmm. um, or, you know, and then consequently to feel if you're like us to feel disregarded or to feel like marginalized. Uh, and that sounds dramatic, but it's just, it's just, we feel like we've always had to bend and accommodate. Um, although if you ask those people, I'll just be, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm so cryptic, <laughs> but if you'd ask my sister, who's like extremely intelligent and very, um, very assertive, if you'd ask her, she would probably say, um, you know, she felt like she had to bend to me, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I was in the corner crying yet one more time, uh, about not being understood or cared about, but you know, and, and then we had to stop and listen to Jeremy's point of view. But I, I, I think it's, I, I think the thing that we were trying to draw 
people's attention to in the beginning is that, you know, one group of people disregarding, or excuse me, one, one group of, of dominant characteristic to people, uh, you know, looking at people like us as, as not necessarily inferior, but as just kind of somewhat encumbered by our, um, yes. our emotional states, Yes. You, you know, as, as being, as being kind of like, we're not efficient enough. We're not able to get past certain things enough. And I think, you know, the, you know, more highly or the highly, uh, or excuse me, the, the, the people with whom have the greatest kind of emotional awareness and intelligence kind of go, Hey, look, I might be a, a very dominant individual, but I'm aware that there are affected people in my family, on my team, in my friend group, um, who are, you know, just, just as excellent as I am, but they have this other thing that I don't, I don't really get all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that, that, that kind of led us to the point of, of like, you know, this one, once again, this diversity of opinion, this diversity of individual, and that sometimes people like us don't feel like we're included. Even today, even today, it's, it's, um, right. I, I feel like the, I, I, I just, I just feel like those of us who share a temperament like ours are still kind of sidelined a little bit yes. by the most dominant of individuals in charge or in a, a you know, who had had an authority structure, whether at work or school or what have you. And so I think uh, understanding something, um, you know, understanding people like us as being those with whom you have to actively be involved with and actively have as part of your team and part of your part of your group, you know, I think it's important to realize that you've got to understand and include those people mm-hmm. and not regard people like us as, uh, you know, somewhat of work in progress right. to the extent that those people might regard themselves. I think you're exactly right. And you and I are both keenly aware that we always have been and always will be outsiders, right? We're always <laughs> kind of observing from mm-hmm. the outside. We're never um, all the way in and all the way accepted or, or present in the inner workings of, you know, larger relationship schemes. Um, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, do like, you think that's because we are, I hate to boil it down to this kind of simplistic, you know, observation, but do you think it's because we just don't want to be hurt by being fully involved? Or do you think we, we just kind of observe because... I think we have a, I think, I think maybe so, but I think also we have a limited reservoir for connection. And we want to disperse that to those who are willing to put in the work to accept us and not, and not see us as these, these broken and, you know, cumbersome types of people. Yeah. But maybe shame on us for that. Maybe, you know, sometimes we, we mention to each other, it's like, you know, we need to give such and such a person a greater chance of becoming better. I Which I know that sounds like really obnoxious, but, or, or magnanimous, but I mean, sometimes you have to like let people try to surprise you, you know, yes. give them a chance to love you better. I think that's probably the better way to say it. Right. I think that element is, is always there. I think and, we always have that duty. And so if, you know, if we're just observing and I don't mean to get caught up on this point, cause I think you're trying to make a bigger one, but I think sometimes that observation issue is not necessarily the fault of the other people. It's kind of us. Mm-hmm. So like when you were talking about being observers, what are you, what are you really trying to say? Or what, 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 what did I miss? Or what did I not let you finish? I mean, I just think that we, I think that we are always, you know, on the outside. I think we're always, um, you know, we, we know that we are not that 
quote-unquote strong dominant assertive personality type and I I think we're content with that I think Mm. um that we're always content in our in our our quiet roles and I and I think I think that being on the outside is um synonymous with being observers you know I just think that we're always watching and I think we're always um I mean do you think that's because you know we're worried about becoming criticized again for how we might feel or how we might address something if we were to be fully involved (laughs) I just I think this is somehow linked to some kind of insecurity and I think that's why I've been an observer and felt like an outsider I think it would be easy to kind of blame that on others but I think that's probably a safety mechanism that I've built into myself but but maybe we can talk more about this offline and like come back and reassess this because I feel like I'm looking at this differently now I just feel like so often and maybe this goes to the greater point of the of the whole theme today is we kind of regard ourselves as somewhat victimized by strong people you know and that's if you you know the intro that that I read, it kind of feels that way. I think there's some reality there, but I, I hate kind of subjecting myself to, and to classifying myself in some kind of victimized role because I have control. Right. And and for you and I, and, and we've talked about this several times that, you know, uh, even though we share these, um, you know, maybe what someone would consider passive tendencies, sensitive, we're, you know, introspective, we take... Uh, time to make decisions and we weigh options, which it kind of comes across as not being self-assured or confident, but you know, that's, that's who we are. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I think that we have to kind of fight for that to be a relevant contributing point of view in a greater structure, whether it's a team or a friend group or a family. And I think sitting on the outside and becoming was like just just an observer you know i think that's an easy way i think that's an easy way to kind of almost resign ourselves to come to some type of victim status which i don't think is completely fair but anyway maybe we'll maybe we'll deal with that later any thoughts before yeah. we leave it yeah i just want to say one one thing i think therein lies the fault and that is we think that these other people whatever whatever other you know, non-sensitive personality types are the strong ones. Yeah, that's and a good I, point. And I just don't believe that being sensitive or being emotional or having feelings makes a person weak. Right. I just, we are not weak. You and I are, are very strong. We're just not, um, we're not necessarily loud, dominant, or aggressive mm-hmm. types of people. Well, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just think that there there is strength in um, being emotionally intelligent and knowing how you feel and why you feel it. Mm-hmm. I actually think that um, affords us a, a lot of strength. Sure. Yeah, I guess once again, maybe I'm becoming kind of. But that's what we were always told. Right. I'm, I was just gonna say brainwashed by my own. Yeah. By my, by my my own competing points of view is that somehow I'm I'm weak because I can't adjust in this moment. Right, and I mean that's 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 been the theme of our lives is that we're. We're the weak ones if we cry and we're, you know, we're the weak ones if we have conflicting emotions and that doesn't make a person weak. Right. You know, that I think that makes a person strong. Again, I think that 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 being able to weigh the emotional consequences of decision 
uh, of decisions that we have makes makes it makes it easy for us to create like the space for empathy right and i think uh, and it's not this this sounds is going to come across like we are better than they are but i think with sometimes with dominant people that empathy tends to be regarded as uh kind of an inconvenience that impairs good decision making that right. makes sense yeah i i would totally agree and something that i think we often think is that in order to make a clear decision or in order to um, you know, make a decision in light of a difficult circumstance, you have to be emotion-free. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. How many times have you, you made a decision or someone you know made a decision that, you know, as, as an outsider looking in, you thought, wow, that must have been so clear for that person to, to mm-hmm. make this choice. Um, but that's, I just don't think that's the case most of the time. I think most of the time, you know, doing the right thing is doing the right thing in spite of how you feel. And you may have a million different emotions about right. that decision, but you, you, you know, we often just don't feel the presence of, you know, all the warm, all the warm goodness of a good choice. You know, we're often acting in, in spite of how we feel. Right. So I think you know, there, that is the strength. Right. Sure. That is that is what, what makes a person strong, right? right. It's not is not the absence of, of the emotional conflict, but rather the the decision making in spite of it. Right. And I think you just kind of helped make sense of this for me because you said emotional conflict and I think it's easy to regard strong people as being emotion free when I don't right. it's not emotion free. Right. They have plenty of emotions. Exactly. They're just none of the none of the ones we deal with. They're like, this is what we should do and we're doing it. They have this clarity. Or or we think that's what they have. Right, right. Yeah, that's, that's true. And that's too. and that's what I'm trying to say is that they they being again these these quote unquote strong, assertive, dominant type of people, we look at them and think, wow. These things are so easy. These decisions are so easy for them to make. Right. They can they can do all these difficult things, and I I think we we fail to regard them as human in those moments because they're you know we don't know if they're up late at night crying their eyes out, struggling through, trying to decide the right thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're exactly right. We we see them as emotion free, and I just right. that may be true for some people, which I'm, I'm sure it is. You and I both right. know people like that. Yeah. But I think a lot of the time. Right. It's not that I'm way. just saying it's easy to regard the yes. the emotion the weighing of these the emotional weighing of choices mm-hmm. as the emotional um, you know of being the char- characteristic of people like you and me mm-hmm. when in fact those people who we tend to regard with having a lot of clarity on decision making we kind of say well they don't have emotions mm-hmm. weighing in their decisions but they mm-hmm. do they just don't feel like they have to weigh other emotions they don't consider so. I mean, mm. I think it's, I think, you know, everyone uses emotion to make a decision, especially if they're using what they would consider intuition or or what they feel in their gut, what have you. But um, that's probably a separate conversation. But one of the last things I think we should address is, um, is I think something that we've talked about a lot and something I hope, because I, I, you know, you and I both have a number of people we know who feel similarly to us. And that is, you know, it's that I'm laying in bed at night and I'm thinking about my day or I'm thinking about upcoming things that I need to do. Maybe there's serious or even not so serious decisions to be made um, in their in one's life. 
and you feel as though this emotional turmoil that you're that's starting to brew and starting to just turn over in your in your brain is like something to be fixed and there's something wrong with you and you wish you could just be like you know fill in the blank with the person that comes to your mind you know i i just think we should talk to that issue because i I just think it goes back to feeling bad all the time about yes. not being able to be a certain way when we're not that way. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. And I remember you you would tell me years ago, literal literal years ago, you said, Becky, you're not broken. Nothing is wrong with you. And Becky, you will get better at managing this. You mm. will you this these feelings won't ever go away, but you will get better at managing that. And that has stuck with me. And I have gotten better at managing you know how I feel whether that's right. anxiety or, or stress or these right. feelings of um, deficiency that they never go away but we do get right. better at managing them yeah that somehow we feel the absence of emotional turmoil the absence of that kind of emotional turmoil is somehow the great achievement yeah, but it's not it's it's the ability to manage what we know is going to happen each and every time we come to that stage in our life where we have to make certain kinds of emotions or certain kinds of choices or do certain kinds of things because that's just how we're made correct yes you know and i think yep. we feel like that if once they become eliminated we've somehow achieved something but it, we're we're they're just not going to go away we're pretty much who we are i think it gets easier I don't think it ever goes away. It gets completely, quote unquote, better. But again, mm-hmm. we are not weaker, worser, <laughs> wronger, right. you know, for being this way. Right. And I and I just hope that others like us can really feel similarly and just kind of, you know, kind of stand back and look at themselves and notice all the great things about them themselves that kind of accompany this emotional state. Right. The the ability to care about people. The ability. And the insight to kind of look at those, you know, people, you know, for whom you have all this love and caring and, and, and realize what kind of difficult situations they might be in. And I, I feel like the empathy is such a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe gift's not the right word, but it's such a wonderful thing to be able to have as part of your decision-making toolbox. Yes. And there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with, with being conflicted. Right. Or, or, and there's nothing wrong with having the feelings themselves. Sure. Right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I just... mean, you're not in control of those feelings most of the time. Right. You're in control of, of how you act. Or at least at least when they come in. You know, you're, right. you're, not, you're not necessarily in control or you're not in control of, of, of allowing them. And what you do with those feelings or those emotional states when they come in, that's your choice. Whether mm-hmm. you watch them come in and then dismiss them. Or whether you watch them come in and then ruminate on them to your own detriment. Uh, but I think, you know, that's where a lot of us live. We tend to do. We tend to do that. We tend to watch these emotional states come in and then we ruminate on them. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's too much. But it definitely is part of who we are. Right. So, uh, yay. We're not broken. I don't think <laughs> we're broken. And I think, I think being in a state where you're constantly feeling bad and constantly wishing you were someone else or wishing you were a different way, I, I just... There's no success there. No, and it's a waste of time. Yeah. You know, it's a, it, right? I mean, isn't it a waste yeah. of time to no. wish you were some other way? Or you yeah. could just accept that you are sensitive. Yeah, I, I just, okay. you know, I just feel, I feel for those people because that's me, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we just spend a lot of time, like, pearl clutching at our own, what we feel emotional impairments are, when in fact, I think, we just need to concentrate less on what we feel are our deficiencies and more on the the the, 
you know, the way we can create empathy and care for others. And I think sometimes that is coupled with the, just the absolute wrestling with who we are as emotional creatures, the way we are made, right. the way we are. Right. I don't think we're broken. Not broken at all. And that aloneness that we feel when we feel broken, I think we just need to realize that there's a whole host of people who probably aren't vocal enough about that brokenness and that aloneness that they feel. And I think we're, I think the team of us that feel this way is pretty big. Yeah. Right. Right. It's yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's arrogant and it's isolating to assume that no one else ever feels this way. Right. And we don't want to resent others, you know, especially those strong dominant people in our lives who truly love us. They just think we're a little bit too emotional. I mean, are they ever going to fully understand what it's like to be us? No, just like we can't really fully understand what it's like to be them, but we feel as though we're, we're willing to wrap our minds around their emotional state and try to get it. And we don't feel understood by those people because they, we think that they tend to regard our emotionalism as some kind of impairment to be fixed. Right. But I think there's a difference between being understood and just being accepted. I think you can um, understand, or I'm sorry, I think you can accept a person and accept their personality without fully getting them all the way. And that's mm -hmm. just what we want. Right. Right. That may not be our deepest connections with people, but those are certainly working, working relationships for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. And I, I think I, if it's okay, maybe we won't do a cut. We can just go right into our gratitude section. Cause I, I was just yeah, thinking about absolutely. this. Um, you know, Becky and I, as part of our podcast, we, we like to like, really talk about and express gratitude uh, because we listen to smart, much smarter people than I, than, than we are, you know, talk about how important that is to express one's gratitude, realize the things that you're thankful for it just turns our energy outward and makes us less selfish. And I, I think I really am grateful for being able to feel deeply, mm -hmm. even though sometimes it, feels like it comes at a cost, mm -hmm. either the cost of not being able to have clarity about a decision I want to be able to make, um, quickly, mm -hmm. you know, or I want to not be able to worry about how that person felt when I had to make a decision that directly impacted them. You know, it's, I, you know, I wish I didn't have to, you know, sometimes feel that way, but I think it's, you know, the, the temperament, the way that I am, the way that you are, and so many others are. I, I really am thankful for that because I think, I am hope that it gives me a chance to really consider the feelings of others in a way that I wouldn't ordinarily feel them. And I, and I, and I think that that's, I think that that's true and that, and I really am thankful for that. I think it's a gift. Yeah. Well, I mean, whether it's a gift or not, it's a product of who we are, but I, I, right. I, I, and I'm not trying to minimize what you said. I, I sometimes gifts feel like supernatural and I don't I'm, I just think it's a product of of the way we're made you know the mm -hmm. way we're hardwired um and I just want to be better because of that mm -hmm. I don't want to like buy into the lie that I somehow am weak and need to get fixed right you know right. I, I really think that 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 emotional and sentimental personality that I have I really think that it can, it can be an asset for for understanding and caring and loving people better yes and so I am thankful for that. Love that. And I think there's wisdom in using your resources and maximizing your own, your own strengths. 
Yeah, love that. What about you? Today, I am grateful. Um, Don't say ice cream. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you can say ice cream if you want to. Oh, I love dessert. Um, today. <laughs> <laughs> Send all dessert to. P.O. Uh, box. <laughs> right. P. Sherman, 42 Walby Way, Sydney. No, um, today I'm grateful for just... This, this sounds really cheesy, but I love doing this podcast. It's really fun. And um, it it's just, it's something positive and, and encouraging to um, to put our energy into. And um, I, I love it for so many reasons. It's just, it's a, it's a fun project that, you know, requires uh, work that produces results. And, you know, it, it also just is a way for us to document um, our history and our, and our friendship. And, um, I love that. I love, I love that we, I love that we live in a, in a time in history where we can afford to just sit around and talk about how we feel about things and, um, to have the technology to, to document that it's, um, something we should never take for granted. And I am grateful for it. No, it's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So now we enter into the Confessions of Love portion of the podcast, which we both love because we get to be in our feels. And, well, really, this whole podcast is about feels. We just, we love that. Um, So I'll start today. Um, My confession of love to you is that I love when you um, let me talk about the same subject. This is not an exaggeration. 500 times. And, um, you don't get tired by that. You don't get worn out. You don't ever tell me that it's time to get over it (laughs) or that you've, you're tired of listening to me talk about the same thing over and over again. Um, you and I share just like we share most traits, but we share, um, verbal processing. Yeah, for sure. And it's so important for our own clarity just to be able to talk about something over and over again and um, I think that's something that exhausts most people oh yeah um and you you know we don't fault them for that I mean if you don't share our temperament it's it's of course very tiring to listen to the same thing over and over again but um you let me explore my feelings and my um my values by by talking about them over and over again so I love you for that oh I love that too although I think not to analyze you live on the on the podcast, but I think that you probably do a little bit more internal processing yes. than I. And I think it's easy to like kind of create these these big grand segmentations of personality types. So I think everyone's a fraction of a ratio of a part of the whole. Mm-hmm. So I think I can, I think I have, <laughs> I think I can talk longer about things sometimes. And you're like, okay, I just need to like walk away from this for a moment and just kind of think, <laughs> think about it, and then we'll come back and talk about it. But basically, all the reason I'm saying that is because right. it's, you know, you got to allow the people that you're with, even if they're really the same or close to being the same as you, like an opportunity to be just a little bit of a, you know, a little bit different. Right. You know, I think it's easy to kind of say, well, because I've said this in my brain about you before. It's like, why can't you talk about this subject for two hours like I want to, as opposed to just 90 minutes? You know? <laughs> but, no, it's, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And I, and I appreciate that. And I love that, that we can be of the same mind on that i think what i love about you today what my confession of love is and you know what before i launch into like telling you my confession of love i just want to like 
gosh, how many times can I say like today? I just want to talk <laughs> about like why we do this. We just both feel like it's super important to tell the people that you care about why you care about them, why you love them, what, what they're doing that makes your life better. And I know I can only imagine that some of you are listening going, Ugh. Uh, I usually t- turn you off at this point, but, but, or maybe some of you are saying, look, I'm really glad that you guys can do that. And I want to do it too. And I don't know that it's necessarily easy for us. I think we've just developed a comfort level with it because we've done it for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's not easy to tell your friends you love them and tell them why and put them into a space where they're probably a little uncomfortable because most people don't communicate this way all the time. Uh, or or we regard this kind of communication about love between romantic relationships only. And I think that's a mistake. Or between maybe a, a mother and daughter or, uh, a, you know, two brothers or two sisters or what have you. I think it's really important to be able to just tell the people who love you uh, why you love them back. And so, so my confession of love for Becky today is just uh, how comfortable she makes me feel with my own incredibly amazing sense of humor (laughs) i'm kidding it's not you just laugh at me and encourage me no matter how dorky i am so i i my confession of love is your my just my gratitude and appreciation for you laughing at the same at my jokes even when they're the same or they're but i think you're so funny i really do see again that's all i need in life is for someone to think i'm funny so i really really appreciate that and love that you appreciate uh, my sense of humor because i think it's more or less, we share a similar it's, sense of humor. Yeah. And that's fun because humor is acceptance. So when you accept someone's um, humor um, yeah. uh, and laugh at their jokes, it's kind of like saying, yeah, I, I get you, I feel you, I have you, you know? Yeah. So, no, I, that's really great. Aww. And I love that about you. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for sharing this time with us and for allowing us to be gushy about uh, my sense of humor. But... Uh, we love it and yeah. if you if this week if you do a confessions of love or an expressions of gratitude with uh, with your friends let us know let us know how it goes I mean force yourself to do it and this isn't don't you know this shouldn't come across as if you don't do it there's something wrong with you but I feel like life short you get one shot at it why not do it once yeah twice whatever like just what have you got to lose? Right. Especially when it's someone you know is going to love you right back. And even if you have to be uncomfortable in that moment, I mean, that's what a glass of wine is for, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Jeff. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll talk at you in just a few minutes if you want to get in touch with us. If you would like to reach out to us with any questions or comments or suggestions, we would love to hear from you. Or if you just want to say hi, send us an email at 100daysayearpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's 100daysayearpodcast at gmail.com. Not 100, but just 100. Also, if you'd like to follow us on Instagram, our handle is 100daysayearpodcast. Go ahead and give us a follow.